morning, brothers and sisters, Pastor Tyler here. Happy Palm Sunday. And I want to greet all of you that are our Grace Covenant people, but also want to thank you and greet you, those of you that have been watching uh, us online from all across the country. There's people from West Virginia, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, obviously Colorado. Just thank you for watching us. Uh, it's been a blessing just to get to know you through the comments and through the feedback that I have gotten from all of you. And if you are online right now at, at nine o'clock on Sunday morning, please just shoot a comment uh, in the comments section. If you're on Facebook, that's gonna be right below this video. And if you are on YouTube, that's gonna be off to the side. Just say hello, greet your neighbor. And as you are doing that, I'm gonna share with, uh, share with you what we are gonna be talking about this morning. And that is we are gonna be in Matthew, chapter 21 and looking at Jesus's entry into Jerusalem, the unexpected journey of Jesus and how Jesus redefines greatness. The crowds and the disciples expected a conquering king and what they received is a suffering servant. What they wanted was Israel to be restored, the kingdom of Israel to be restored an earthly kingdom, and what Jesus initiates and starts is an eternal kingdom. So that is where we are headed this morning. But before we get into scripture and before I pray, I just want to share a couple of quick uh, announcements. Number one is at the end of the sermon, we are going to partake in communion together. So grab bread, grab whatever you need as your communion bread and then make sure you have something to drink along with that. That can be grape juice, it can be water, it can be Mountain Dew, it can be whatever you want to drink at this time in the morning. So we'll do that after the sermon. I'm so excited to be able to partake in communion with you this morning. And then number two is I am just super, super, super excited for Easter Sunday next week. We won't be able to gather here in person, but we have the opportunity to get to gather together online. So 6.30 a.m. will be the first service, the sunrise service on Facebook, on YouTube. Uh, watch that, it's gonna be great. The, the title is gonna be Resurrecting Hope, looking at, at why we often put our hope in things that eventually die rather than the one who is eternal. That is where we are headed next week. And then at 9 a.m. For, for first service people, we're going to have a, a Zoom worship gathering, which will be really cool and really fun. And then 10 a.m. we're going to have our children's church via Zoom. And then 11 a.m. we're going to have our second worship gathering. For those of you that normally come to second service, that again is via Zoom. And then in the afternoon from 2 to 4 next Sunday, Easter Sunday, we're going to do a car scavenger hunt for the, for the kiddos. So that will be really fun as well. Be sure to check your email, check social media. More information on that will be coming out via those platforms. Super excited to celebrate the risen. Oh yes, he is risen indeed, brothers and sisters. The risen Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, next Sunday. But we don't just celebrate him next Sunday. We celebrate him every Sunday. So with that, please let me pray for all of us. 
Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this morning that we have the opportunity to dig into your word, to learn from you, to grow from what your word has to tell us this morning. I pray that the Holy Spirit is present and active in our hearts and minds. God, we just continue to be thankful and grateful that even though we are not physically present with one another, that we are spiritually present with one another and with you, and that technology allows us to be together online. Thank you for this technology. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. And thank you that every day, oh, well, brothers and sisters, every day we get to celebrate and be with our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I have a confession to make. I am uh, suffering from the sitting at home blues. I am ready to just be out and about to, to hug people. And I don't even like hugging people. But if I want to hug people, you know something's wrong. And I've been preaching to my life. Pretty sure I've converted him to following Christ. I don't even know if dogs can be converted, but I'm pretty sure if dogs can be converted to Christ, he has heard the gospel message from me preaching to him day after day after day that he is now a converted saint or converted puppy. I've also carried on hour-long conversations with him. I don't know if that's normal or not, but just all that to say, being stuck in an apartment with a dog all alone uh, tends to drive me crazy and makes me really, really excited when I get to come out of my house and be here, because even though none of you are here, I'm here and there's space and I can speak and I can talk and I can be energetic and my neighbors don't yell at me for shouting at the top of my voice. So I am just thrilled to be here today. But one of the things that um, has really been on my heart this past week, especially as, as I think this time of, of stay-at-home-ness is probably starting to get to us all. For the first little bit, it was a, a fun kind of staycation, but now it's kind of getting on our nerves. And other people are probably getting on our nerves, and our children are getting on our nerves. And what I've realized in all of this is that we have a really difficult time being. We have a really difficult time letting other people be. We want to go, we want to move, we want to produce, we want to achieve, we want to succeed. But when we just have to be, we have to put up with ourselves. We have to love ourselves. We're not distracted by, by the things of the world or what we can do. We actually have to be with ourselves and allow others to be with us. And that, brothers and sisters, is so, so difficult. But what I'm thankful for in this time is that is building relationships. And it is helping us form relationships. Number one, relationships with God. Number two, relationships with ourselves. Number three, relationships with others. And brothers and sisters, I hope that that is teaching us in this time that it's not earthly success, achievement, fame, and power that matters. It's an eternal relationship that matters. The only thing that we should be focused on 
right now and in weeks and months and years to come is our relationship with our Heavenly Father, our relationship with our Lord and Savior. And my prayer is that in this season, that as we cultivate that relationship and as we cultivate the relationship we have with ourselves and with others, that we are learning things and we are growing in ways that will help us be the kingdom of God going forward. And brothers and sisters, the relationship that matters, the relationship with Jesus Christ, means that we have to give up everything. It's easy. We just have to give up everything. And that's where I want to go today. Jesus redefining what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. Redefining what it means to be first in the kingdom of God. And redefining what it means to be saved. Join me in chapter 21 of the book of Matthew. And just to give a little background, a little context to this is, this is around the third year of Jesus's ministry. For the past two, three years, he's been ministering in the countryside and in different small towns and locations. People have followed him. He's performed miracles. He's fed thousands of people. He's raised people from the dead. He's healed the sick and cleansed the lepers. He's sat and eaten with sinners. And in doing all of this, he has gathered quite a following of people that love him and worship him and want him to restore Israel to its former glory. They want him, they want Jesus of Nazareth to be their Messiah. They want Jesus of Nazareth to sit on the throne of David. And it is now Passover time, and Jesus is now entering the city of Jerusalem. And as he is entering and approaching the city of Jerusalem, around Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, he sends two of his disciples, and he says to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. I kind of want to stop there just because of this. The disciples, Jesus told the disciples to go in and basically steal livestock from a, from a poor unsuspecting person. And then Jesus tells the disciples that if anyone sees you stealing said livestock and give you trouble for it, just say that the Lord told you to do it. If only that excuse had worked when I was a teenager. Mom, Dad, the Lord told me to do it. It's okay. Jesus gave me a word and said I could steal that. What, 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 I just wanted to point that out for you. So Jesus did this because it took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet Zechariah. Say to daughter Zion, Zion is Israel, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. 
And the symbolism in Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey is this. Jesus didn't come to start a war. Jesus didn't come with a sword in his hand. Jesus came on a lowly animal, not a war horse, but a donkey, to bring peace. Jesus came not to sit on a throne, but to go to a tomb. And that's the amazing thing about Jesus. Even in our own lives, we, we, I think if most of us were honest with ourselves and saw an earthly, an earthly throne and someone gave us the authority to sit on that earthly throne, we would do it in a heartbeat. If we could rule over people, I don't know about you, but I would love to rule over people. And yet, Jesus had the option. Earthly throne, earthly tomb. Jesus chose the tomb. How many of us, brothers and sisters, would make that choice? Jesus, redefining greatness. Not an earthly throne, but an earthly tomb. And the, the disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed. So now Jesus has his donkey and has his colt. And I want you to imagine for a moment, brothers and sisters, that you have been following Jesus for those three years, seeing him do the healings, do the miracles, raise people from, from death. And now he's coming to Jerusalem. And you think that he is the promised Messiah. You think he is coming to restore David's throne, to restore Israel to its former might and its former glory, and to relieve you of being oppressed by the Romans. Israel thinks they're getting their nation back. And as they see Jesus riding along, coming towards them, they lay their garments on the road and they go and cut branches from trees, palm branches, and lay them on the road. And as he comes into their presence, they shout, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the highest heaven. And you keep shouting that and you keep singing that. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Until Jesus passes and goes further into the city of Jerusalem. And then you think at that time, who is that person? Who is he really? And in your heart, you know that he is the Messiah. But you're probably a little curious as to why he's not riding a war horse. You're probably a little curious as to why the promised Messiah is coming in on a donkey. And Hosanna, brothers and sisters, comes from Psalm 118, verse 25, and it basically means, save, save us. They were yelling at Jesus, singing to Jesus and God, save us. Save us from our struggles. Save us from our poverty. Save us from our suffering. Save us from our oppression. And brothers and sisters, 
that is something we could be very easily shouting this very morning on Palm Sunday 2020. God, save us. Save us from COVID-19. Save us from suffering. Save us from this present darkness and bring light into this world. But God's plans aren't always our plans. They're usually a little bit greater. And the crowds, brothers and sisters, they wanted a conquering king. Jerusalem wanted a conquering king, but Jesus knew he had to be a suffering servant. The crowds wanted an earthly kingdom. Jesus was initiating an eternal kingdom. And the crowd wanted Israel to be saved. Jesus wanted you and me to be saved. God's plan in that time was greater. It wasn't salvation to Israel. It was salvation for the entire world. And that's still God's plan today. It isn't to save you or me from physical suffering. It's to save you and me from eternal damnation and hell. Eternal salvation will always be greater than earthly salvation. So brothers and sisters, in this time, can we quit trying to produce, quit trying to succeed by earthly standards and learn to be with ourselves in relationship with God and in relationship with others. And how, brothers and sisters, do we do that? And how do we enter the kingdom of God that is far greater than any nation on this earth? It's easy. You just have to give up everything. You have to become last. You have to become the least. You have to give up your power. You have to give up your ego and your pride. You have to give up your control. And you have to let God do. We have to be and let God do. And the disciples didn't get this, and I'm going to be honest, I don't get it either. God's been working in me for, for years. I still don't get it because if you ask me again, earthly throne, eternal kingdom, earthly throne means I don't have to give up anything of myself. Eternal kingdom means I have to give up everything of myself. Too often I choose the earthly throne over the eternal kingdom. And Jesus understood that as well, but he still tried to tell and teach his disciples. So I want to go back just one chapter into Matthew 20, starting in verse 17. And this is as the, the disciples were on their way with Jesus to Jerusalem. And Jesus, trying to tell the disciples what's about to happen, says this. We are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, and they will hand him over to the Gentiles 
to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. So Jesus has just again, for the third time in his ministry, predicted his suffering, predicted his, his arrest, predicted his crucifixion, and also predicted on the third day that he would rise again. He is talking about suffering. He is talking about death. And yet the disciples still don't get it. And the mother of two of the disciples definitely doesn't get it. Because the mother of the sons of Zebedee, James and John, right after Jesus gets done saying this, comes up to Jesus and asks, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in the kingdom. So Jesus talking about suffering, talking about death, and here comes the mother of James and John, and, and she's talking about, you're going to reign, you're going to rule, and I want my sons to be with you. And Jesus, perplexed and dumbfounded and probably going like this, just, they don't get it. I've been teaching, I've been preaching, and they don't get it. And brothers and sisters, I don't, condemn the disciples. I don't condemn the mother of the sons of Zebedee because we don't get it either. And Jesus replies, you don't know what you are asking. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? He asked James and John. We can, they answered. And Jesus, you will, Jesus said, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. So he says this, and then the other ten disciples, seeing that James and John are wrestling for being first and second on the right and left of, of Jesus in his kingdom, rightfully get a little annoyed that they, James and John, are, are arguing about who's going to be the, the greatest. Um, so when the ten heard this, verse 24, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. And he says this because he knows that this is common human nature. This is our pride. If we have the chance to be the greatest, we're going to take it. If we have the chance to rule over people, we're going to take it. If we have the chance to be an authority, we are going to take it. We think that is greatness, brothers and sisters. And Jesus says, not so. Not so with you, he says. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. How many of us, if we're truly honest, think that it's other people's jobs 
to serve us, rather than our job to serve them. Greatness, brothers and sisters, is not in being served. It is in service. It's in not achieving great things, but in sacrificing great things. Jesus sacrificed everything for us, for that relationship with us. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose three days later, defeating sin, Satan, and death to create an eternal kingdom. And in all of this, there are three lessons that I want to share with you. And those three lessons are this. No earthly king, nation, or power will save. No earthly king, nation, or power will save. Politics, brothers and sisters, will not save you. Arguing on Facebook about Republicans and Democrats or how this current crisis is not being handled well or being handled well will not save you ultimately. Jesus will. Arguing about politics, the United States being the greatest nation on earth, that will never save us. Number two, our vision is narrow. God's vision is expansive. Israel wanted its kingdom. I want my kingdom. You want your kingdom. Your family wants your kingdom. And if I'm going to be honest, Grace Covenant wants its kingdom. It's not ours. It's God's. It's about his kingdom. And so often in our lives, we, we, we do things that make us flourish at the detriment of God's kingdom. It is only when our wills are aligned with God's where, where our kingdoms and God's kingdoms are one where expansion will occur. And number three, Jesus is the only king worth following. We have so many gods and so many kings in our lives. And for me, I know that being in this situation of, of COVID-19, I have realized how many gods I have in my life. Number one, control. Number two, freedom. Number three, materialism. And number four, the need to do. My need to do, my need to produce, so that I can have material things, so that I can be free to move about however I want, so that I can have control. Those have become my gods. And my relationship with all of those in normal times and in normal life hinders my relationship with God. Because everything in our life we're either using to glorify God and build our relationship with God, or we are using at the detriment 
of our relationship with God. So the question I want to ask you is if Jesus rode humbly into your life, as he has, how will we respond? Will we give up everything for him? Or will we just want him to save the parts of our lives that help us now? And by that I mean, do we just want Jesus to be our fix-it Savior? rather than our eternal Savior. And who do we want, brothers and sisters, to have the glory? Because that is at the heart of all of this. We have so much trouble being servants because we want the glory. We have so much trouble being last because we want the glory. Corey Ten Boom writes this, when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday on the back of a donkey and everyone was waving palm branches and throwing garments onto the road and singing praises, do you think for one moment it ever entered the head of the donkey that any of that was for him? If I can be the donkey on which Jesus Christ rides in his glory, I give him all the praise and all the honor and all of the glory. Brothers and sisters, following Christ is easy. All we have to do is give him the glory. Give him the honor. Give him the fame. It's not about us. It is about him. And he rode into Jerusalem. The crowds yelled, Hosanna. Save, save. And he did. But in a way that was unexpected. And in doing that, he started an eternal kingdom. Brothers and sisters, Right now, we have the opportunity to be with Jesus in that kingdom. Will we take that opportunity? Will we let go of our pride and our ego and our need to have the glory in life? And will we give that to Jesus? Will we give that to our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Sustainer? We did not create ourselves. God did. We didn't get ourselves all of the stuff that we have. God did. We are so focused on doing and achieving and just moving and going that we forget to be with God. Can we be with God, brothers and sisters? Because if we can't, and we can't have that relationship, we're not going to enter into eternity. Jesus died not for us to go about our daily lives earning a living for ourselves. Jesus died for us 
so that we could go about glorifying his kingdom and serving. Let us be servants, and in being servants, we will enter the kingdom. We have a choice, brothers and sisters. We have a choice to sit on an earthly throne and put ourselves on the throne of our lives, and that will give us a grave. Or we can give everything up, die to ourselves, give ourselves an earthly tomb, but in that have eternal life. The decision, when you look at the grand scheme of things, seems easy. But will we have the foresight? Will we have the courage to make that decision? Let us choose eternity over the earth. Brothers and sisters, let us choose a relationship with God, a relationship with Jesus Christ over the things of this world. Because that is the only thing that will save us. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for the reminder that you are Lord, you are King, and that you are Savior. God, I pray that we would continue to grow in our relationship with you. And I pray that those who do not have a relationship with you would throw away all of the things in their lives that is hindering that relationship and focus their lives solely on you. And if you are listening and watching this today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you don't have that eternal perspective you haven't yet given up your earthly throne. And you want to give God the glory. You want to have that relationship with Jesus. Know that God loves you above all other things. And that your sins are forgiven. All you have to do is turn to him. Give yourself up and give everything to God. He loves you. And for those of us that have been followers of Christ for a while, we still need that reminder that God loves us, that our sins are forgiven, and that in the blood he shed and the body that was broken, we have eternal life. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit. I pray this in your powerful name, the name that is above every other name. Amen. Amen, brothers and sisters. Now, uh, if you have it ready, please get, get your bread and wine. And we are going to enter into a quick time of communion as soon as I get my elements here.
brothers and sisters, it is now our sacred privilege to celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. All who humbly put their trust in Christ and desire his help that they may lead a holy life, all who are truly sorry for their sins and would be delivered from them, all who would walk in love with their neighbor and intend to live a new life, following the commandments of God and walking from now on in his holy ways, are invited to draw near with faith and to receive this holy sacrament. Brothers and sisters, hear the words of the Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Brothers and sisters, the body of Christ broken for you. Let us eat. Brothers and sisters, the blood of Christ shed for you. Let us drink. Let me pray. Holy Father, we thank you for this reminder that your body was broken on the cross and your blood was shed on the cross for us. God, we know that you rose again on the third day and that you are with us always until the end of the age. United as one, may you continually remind us as your body that you are with us. And through your Holy Spirit, may you continue to lead and guide us so that we would glorify you above all other things and that we would serve and love you and our neighbors. Amen. Well, thank you, brothers and sisters. Thank you for joining us. And just a reminder that we usually take offering after the sermon. And uh, you can give online if you are able at gracecovenantlakewood.org. You can also send a check, mail a check to our uh, church address, which you can find online as well. So just if you can give, would love for you to, to give back in that way. But Again, as I always say, please don't feel obligated to give. Please give out of a response of God's love for you. Brothers and sisters, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Have a great week and see you next Sunday for our Easter celebration.